to what you have to tell us. May our hearts be softened. May we only hear your words, Lord. May I just be your tool. In Jesus' name, amen. Got to find my clicker. There it is. All right. What a time to be alive right now, right? (laughs) Things are absolutely insane right now. I mean, like, we have protests going on. What's up with this cloud of dust coming over the U.S. right now from across the ocean, right? Uh, I just heard the other day that there's this plague of locusts coming up the valley of California right now. Like, what a crazy time to be alive. It's summertime. I think I saw a homeless person cooking an egg on a sidewalk the other day. I mean, like, things are insane right now, guys. So what are we as Christians, where are we supposed to stand? What identity are we supposed to take? So that's what I'm going to talk to you guys about today. Who are you? Who am I? Who are we? Something that we often ask ourselves is, who am I? Who am I in this grand scheme of things? Something that we're often asked by other people is, who are you? Now, usually it's in a general sense of, often we're asked in a general sense of who are you, meaning you know name, age, hobby, best quality, things like that. But do these things define us? Are we defined by our name? Are we defined by our age and our hobby and our best quality? What actually defines us? Has anyone here ever struggled with identity? I do, quite often actually. I still do. Sometimes it's daily. Sometimes it's hourly. But I do struggle with identity. Hey, oh no, it didn't work. That's okay. Okay, so that was supposed to be just a picture of me on my bike. That was me just four years ago. Uh, Four or five years ago. I thought that's who I was. I thought that was my identity. Mr. Joe Cool kicked back on his bike. A lot of you remember that guy. Pulling up to church taking off my vest, folding it neatly, putting it in my saddlebag. Just a moments before pulling up the church, flicking out my cigarette. That was me. I thought that was me. I tried to make that my identity. I tried to make that define me. I was so wrong. So very wrong. Because I, I came to realize that's not my identity. That's not who I am. So today, my goal is to remind you of your identity in Christ. As we go through life, we are often challenged with the question of, who am I? In fact, most of us will go our entire lives without ever really knowing who we are and seeking and trying to find who we are. When in fact, it was in us the entire time. So today I'm going to go through Ephesians chapter 1, and I love the first 
chapter of Ephesians. It, I came to find this. Um, I took a class at Bible college where I had to memorize a chapter of the Bible. Just one little chapter out of a book. And I chose this one. I don't know why, but I did. Probably because it was so short. And Ephesians is one of my favorite books. Ephesians chapter 1 is not the most popular in Ephesians. It's not the armor of God. It's not the other big subjects. But it is the anchor for the rest of the book. If you sit down and read the book of Ephesians like it was meant as a letter to a church, just like you guys, then it looks like a letter. And it's the Apostle Paul just talking to this church and loving on them and encouraging them scolding them sometimes. Unfortunately, he did do that. So, today we're going to walk through Ephesians chapter 1. And chapter 1 is all about these spiritual blessings. It's all about these spiritual blessings that are free gifts to us as believers. And I'm going to go through... I'm going to start in verse 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So a couple couple things to pull out of that before we dive in a little deeper. He's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. To be holy and blameless before him. He blessed us just so we can be holy and blameless. He made us perfect. In love, he predestined us before the foundation of the world. He said, hey, you know what? You're going to be blessed. I choose you. We are chosen for this to the praise of his glorious grace. We are the blessed that has been chosen. We are the blessed that has been chosen. Now I could stop right there and you know, we'll just be done and you guys are the blessed. But Paul goes on and he gives us three in him statements. Three statements that confirm who we are and where it came from, and what power is given. So, um, 7 through 10, verse 7 through verse 10 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, 
according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Trespasses is means sins. And a good way to think about sin or trespasses is handcuffs. Uh, and back in high school, I was in this uh, volunteer program through the sheriff's department called the Explorers. And we got, we had a lot of the same, some of the same training as the officers did, meaning that we got handcuff training. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever been put in handcuffs, but you cannot move. It is very uncomfortable. Ted can testify. It is very uncomfortable. Ted back there, he was, he's, he's retired from um, Tama County Sheriff's Department. It is very uncomfortable. You can't move. Even if you try to run, they usually put them behind your back. You try to run, not only do you look funny, because you're just waddling around trying to run, but it is extremely hard to run. There's no escaping it. There's only one way out of there. Only one way out of there. Unless you're Houdini that can just sleep, slip out of things. The only way you're getting out of those handcuffs is with a key, right? So that's like the best way to think of sin. You are trapped. You have no choice but to remain in those handcuffs. They're also called shackles, many different things, but the point is, you're stuck. But in him, we have redemption and forgiveness. The Greek literal translation of redemption and forgiveness is, our ransom is paid. We've been set free. In him, your ransom is paid, you've been set free. He took that key, he unlocked your handcuffs which gave us freedom. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It was by his blood that we've been washed clean. It was by his blood that we've been set free. And all of this was just a revealing of his plan. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? He did that just to reveal his plan to us, to unite everything in the universe on heaven and earth. So in him, we have redemption and forgiveness because we are the chosen. Verses 11 through 12 says, I'm on track, right? Yes, we're good. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. 
all of that just on the off chance that we might be to the praise of his glory. So an inheritance. We've obtained an inheritance. An inheritance is something um, of value that you'll get on a later date. Usually it's from a relative or a very close friend or someone that you know, of course, and that is promised to you upon their death or upon some time. So in him, through his actions, we've obtained this inheritance that, we'll, that we'll, we will uh, be able to cash in at a later date. And it's, this inheritance is our salvation, heaven, grace, and mercy. That's the, that's the outline of our inheritance that we've obtained. It's the makings of Christianity, right? Salvation, heaven, grace, mercy, all these things. That's what we've obtained. Hebrews 9.15 says, Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called, may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. It's a new covenant. And so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. To what purpose, though? To the praise of his glory. That's it. He's going to give us this inheritance. To the praise of his glory. That's it. There's no work involved. We don't have to do anything. You just sit back, relax, and you collect the inheritance. That's it. How awesome is that? You don't have to do anything. And you get salvation eternal life, grace, mercy, all these things. Just got to sit back, relax. Just wait for it to come. So the, the last in him statement verses 13 through 14 says, in him you also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. So up there is a, is a picture of a seal. That would be like an official Roman seal. You would, people would see that on pottery, on letters, on walls, everywhere you go. And everyone knew you do not touch that seal. Everyone knew you do not break that seal by punishment of death. If you were lucky, you'd just be beheaded. That would be like the, the, the light punishment for breaking that seal. And that's the picture that Paul is painting here. That's the seal that he's talking about, is this right here. Is this official governmental seal that cannot and will not ever be broken. 
That seal is the Holy Spirit. So when you've heard the truth, you believe in him, just like an official seal on a, just like an official seal on an official document, it can't be broken. It's our, it's our guarantee that an inheritance that was promised to you, it will be cashed in one day. Second Corinthians 1, 20 through to, 21 through 22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So when you receive salvation, when you accept Christ in your heart, you have asked for redemption. You have sought forgiveness. The Holy Spirit comes over you and that you're sealed. You're locked in. You can't, you can't get away from it. You've made the decision. Your handcuffs are gone. You've now received redemption and forgiveness. And it's all in him. By his blood. We are guaranteed an inheritance. Written in, it's written in blood. Literally. So he gave us these things... They are, they are a blessing, a free gift. Redemption, inheritance, and a sealing. I once believed my blessings were not in Christ, but in the things I pursued. These are all different little things that I've had over the years. Um, my, my motorcycle, I loved that motorcycle. I would actually uh, tell a lot of people, you can take everything from me. You can take the roof over my head, the clothes off my back. You can take the food away from me, but do not take my motorcycle. I can literally lose everything else. As long as I have that motorcycle, I'm good. So what did God say? No, that's not true. He took it away from me. Um, I laid it down on the freeway. That's it right there on a, flat, on a tow truck right now. Right there. It was temporary. I used to have this Bronco. I absolutely loved that truck. It was a great truck. I beat it up pretty bad, but it was a great truck. It was temporary. I ended up selling it. I've had many different jobs over the years. I've worked so many different places. They were temporary. I was a logger. And then I went to retail. It was all temporary, right? Because the things of man, they are temporary. These blessings that we call them, these things we identify ourselves with, they're temporary. Your job, your name, your hobby, all that, your, your hobby. Like how many people have changed their hobby over the years? I can't tell you how many times I've changed my hobby. When I first met Pastor Nate, we also call him Uncle Pastor Nate. When I first met him, I wanted to call him Pastor Nate. I kept on calling him Pastor Nate, Pastor Nate. Every single time, he goes, I'm not a pastor. That's not who I am. Pastor Nate 
he just kind of grew to accept the whole pastor title. We just kind of forced it on him. <laughs> he's not defined by his title. He's not defined by the title of husband, father, friend. He's defined by his title of Christian. And, and that's what he kept on trying to push to me. And I never, it just never clicked until a while after. It was quite a while after him and I sat and talked for a long time. My mom, Brenda Cook, back there, she's a lunch lady over at Antelope School District, uh, Antelope Elementary School District. That's her job. She's also a mom to pretty much everyone that she meets. She's a friend. She's a wife. All these things, they don't define her, though. Her identity in Christ allows her to be a great mom, amazing at her job, and all these different things. I was a youth pastor, but that, wasn't, that was just a job title. I tried to make that my identity. I tried to be identified by that title of youth pastor. That's who I am. But it wasn't it. I've been a many different things other than that job. They were temporary. I was asked by one of my students one time, how would I describe myself? I absolutely hate that question, by the way. It is one of the, my like, biggest pet peeves. How do you describe yourself? I don't know. What kind of description do you want? Do you want a physical description? I'm ginormous. Do you want a spiritual description? I'm a Christian. What kind of description are you looking for here? And after him and I sat and talked for a very long time, very long time. It ended in this statement. I am a child of God and nothing else matters because all good qualities will start to appear because of my obedience to my father. So who are you? Who am I? Who are we? child of God. I'm a child of God. You're the child of God. We are the chosen. We've been predestined. We are Christian. And as Christians, Apostle Paul tells us several times to rise above the world, but to be in obedience to God, be in obedience of the government, even when it's extremely hard. Because our identity is in God, is in Christ. By his blood, in him, we have redemption and forgiveness, a sealing by the Holy Spirit. That's who we are. That's our identity. I myself, I'm a rebel at heart. My mom and I were just talking last night. I swim against the current no matter the situation. I fight it. Now, being a rebel isn't always a bad thing, but it's not always a good thing. Because I'm still supposed to submit to my Father. I'm still supposed to submit to Christ and ask Him what I want, what He wants from me. Because my identity is in Him. And for me to do anything else besides that is wrong. 
We are the blessed, those that have been set free according to his grace. We have been given an eternal inheritance, not a payment for our works, but a free gift. All this has been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Like any official seal, it cannot and will not be broken at any time. God doesn't break his promises. Once you're sealed, once you have that stamp on your forehead, that's it. You've made the commitment. Now you're in the family. So next time you're struggling with your identity, instead of believing the lies that you have to be something in this world, remember that you're a child of God. And that is something. The ruler of the universe has set you free from those lies that you have to be defined by your job like the rest of the world tells us to. That you have to be defined by your age. Your age changes every year. Except for when you hit like, was it 45? You stay at 45, right? It doesn't go beyond that. 40, all right. (laughs) And you can never be kicked out of this family. Nothing else matters but this. Submit unto him and allow him to work in your life and stop trying to be something you aren't. When I, when I first, um, when Nate first asked me to come up and speak, I told him no. <laughs> More than once, actually. And I told him that I didn't, I didn't want to. Uh, and life is not easy for me right now. Things are kind of upside down and crazy. But I forgot about the most important thing. That my identity isn't in my degree I just received. My submission isn't to anyone but Christ. Christ was calling me to come up and give this message to you guys. And I was being defiant. Throwing a fit like a child. My head's not in the right place. I can't do it. Really? Seriously? So through all this craziness, government disruptions, weird things happening, anomalies that are unexplainable, like a cloud of dust going over an ocean. I don't know how that happens, but it did. We don't have to worry, be afraid, any of that. Because the only thing that defines us is Christ. I'm going to close this in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, I praise you and I thank you for this identity that we have. I praise you and I thank you for the security in you that we have obtained. And Lord, I praise you and I thank you that we can still meet in pews like this that we can still congregate and fellowship and worship in our hearts, that we're still allowed because of who you are to do all these things. Lord, I ask that you give us strength. I ask that you give us courage. I ask, Lord, that you just help us to stay focused on you and nothing else to keep our eyes on you, to keep our, to keep our paths straight to you. 
And Lord, I ask that when we do stray, when we do go off plan, that you forgive us and that you just kind of bump us along, carry us, drag us. Again, Lord, I just thank you greatly. I pray that you watch over us and you protect us. In Jesus' name, amen. I got one more uh, song for you all before, I, before I'm done. And um, this last song uh, might be a little bit less familiar to this church body. Um, uh, it was really popular back in the 90s, so I don't know uh, <laughs> if, if you guys are familiar with it. It's called uh, You Were My All in All. And um, the words are relatively short, so I'll just go over the lyrics right now. And um, it says, You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name is your name. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. And I think it kind of fits pretty well with um, what our identity is and um, and who Jesus is. Um, it reminds me of a lot of uh, pop songs where you know people are like, "Oh yes, my girlfriend, she's my everything," and or <laughs> my boyfriend or whatever. And and as humans, you know, we tend to put our entire identity in someone else. That's you know obviously pretty foolish thing to do, but the only time where it's not foolish is when we, uh, when we put our everything, our entire identity in Christ, because he's the only one who can fulfill us and satisfy us, and um, yeah, and it's a pretty song, so, um, so here it is. <laughs>